Changed by Love is the teaching ministry of Pastor Jim Kevney of Calvary Chapel Morris Hills in Morris County, New Jersey. Pastor Jim's desire is to teach the Word of God with passion and simplicity, as well as a direct application to our daily lives. Have you ever noticed how some people who get a little bit of power let it go right to their head? No power on earth can even come close to the power of God. As the saying goes, they become drunk with power, even the smallest taste of it. But even with the power to create life itself, today Pastor Jim reminds everyone that God doesn't expect anything from you that He hasn't already given. David serves as an example of how your faith and love for God is returned in love by God for you. Now let's join Pastor Jim in the book of Psalms chapter 27 as he continues his message, Fear Killing Faith. I know everybody likes to think of gentle Jesus, right? But he's also a lion. I love that. That's real protection. That's real protection. I mean, I could just picture David being, you know, up in the lion's lair saying to the enemies, come and get me, come and get me. You might be dinner, but come and get me, <laughs> right? Very happy to, to be under the protection of the Lord. So verse 5, that's the case. Verse 5, he says he's protected by a lion, safe in his lair, high on a rock. And that makes the enemies of verse 6 less scary. What's the lesson here? I think it's this, that time spent in intimacy with the Lord. Now, you can't be passive. You have to be active. Worship in the house of the Lord. Worship on your own time is never wasted time. So maybe right now you got no problems in your life. And you're sitting here going, I hope he hurries up. I got no problems in my life. I don't need to deal with any of this. Everything's cool on my end. Oh, you're going to need this someday. It's not a matter of if, it's a matter of when. And it's not a matter of, well, it might happen one time. It's a matter of how many times it's going to happen. Because it's going to happen over and over and over again. Heartfelt rejoicing is the fruit of this. He's intimate with the Lord. And it says that he offers a sacrifice of joy and singing praises. And what is it doing? It's casting out fear. May not change things, but it's casting out fear and it's an expression of devotion. But again, I will say this again, you must be fully engaged. Too many people will tell you, oh, I know the Lord of the sanctuary. I know the Lord of church. I get him. But do you know the Lord of the battlefield? Do you know the warrior God? Do you know the God who protects his people. That takes us to number three. First, confidence in the Lord kills fear. Second, personal intimacy with the Lord kills fear. Third, prayer made to the Lord kills fear. Verse seven and eight, there's this massive changeover. And as David moves from confidence to crying out in faith, verse seven, hear, Lord, when I cry with my voice, have mercy. Some versions say, be gracious also upon me and answer me. When you said, seek my face, my heart said to you, your face, Lord, I will seek. Verse 9 and 10, do not hide your face from me. The, other, the idea is don't remove your blessing. Do not turn your servant away in anger. You have been my help. Do not leave me nor forsake me or do not abandon me. Some versions say, O God of my salvation. When, or some versions say, even if, 
my father and my mother forsake me. Now, we don't know the full story of all that. It could even mean just death. Then the Lord will take care of me. What is he saying? Listen, if my parents were to leave me or if they have died, I'm confident that the Lord will adopt me. Even in desperation, in great difficulty, he has hope and confidence in the Lord. Now, in verse 4, King David said his priority in life was seeking the Lord. But now when we come to these verses in 7 and 8, it seems to be that he's in some sort of trouble. He's like, you know, answer me. You know, I'm seeking you. Don't hide your face. Now, this has caused some Bible scholars to say this, that this is really two different psalms, that we're supposed to divide them in half, that the first part was, you know, just David writing, and the second half was some other guy writing who was in a bunch of trouble. I could not disagree more. I consider this to be life. This is life. Sometimes you're very confident in the Lord, right? You're excited. Your strength will rise as we wait upon the Lord. You know, like you're, you're out there, you're having a great time, man. You're singing it up. You're like, nothing can beat me in the Lord. I got this wired. I'm ready. And then all of a sudden, one phone call, one text, one email, one bounce check, whatever it is. Oh, God help. That's what life is like, isn't it? I know you're spiritual people, not you, maybe me. Right? That's what happens. Our faith goes up and our faith goes down. Our faith goes up and our faith goes down. In verse 8, David says, you said, seek your face. And he basically says, and I have. And then in verse 9, he says to the Lord, do not hide your face from me, your servant. Isn't it interesting? He calls himself his servant. He is the king. But he calls himself, I may be a king of a little country, on a little planet. But I, Lord, at the end of the day, I serve at the pleasure of my king. That's who I serve. David knows that God does not forget those who serve him. Maybe we need to let that one just fall. God just let the words fall. God does not forget those who serve him. And he says it, maybe this is not your experience, but back then in a family-based culture, this was really huge. He says, the Lord is more faithful than a mother and a father. That's how faithful he is. In the New Testament, the apostle Paul writes these words, again, Romans 8, verses 38 and 39, for I am persuaded that neither death, nor life, nor angels, nor principalities, nor powers, nor things present, nor things to come, nor height, nor death, nor any other created thing shall be able to separate us from the love of God, which is in Christ Jesus our Lord. Now that's written over a thousand years after David lived. But David knows that God does not ask you to love him and then withhold his love from you. One more time. God does not ask you to love him and then withhold his love from you. That is just not his way. Or in contemporary 
modern slang. That is not the way God rolls. No way is he going to ask you to love him and then not love you. The point is this. And maybe today, this is the reason why some of you have come. God does not give up on you. God does not give up on you. And again, I said before he says amen again, (laughs) God does not give up on you. And all God's people said, there we go, now we're alive. When you're afraid, verse 8 says, cry out to him for mercy and grace. You know, that's the beautiful thing about God. When you're afraid, when you're anxious, he doesn't make fun of you. He doesn't. He tells you, trust in me. The rest of the world all has their opinions. God says, trust in me. Come to me. All ye who are heavy laden, and I will give you rest. It's very interesting that often when we do that, when we come to him, when we cry out to him, when we are afraid, you often get new courage and new clarity in the situation, even if nothing changes. Even if things remain the same. You have new clarity, new courage. And even when nothing changes, what does God want us to do? Still turn to him as our deliverer, as our savior. And this may seem odd, but often seeking the Lord in times of doubt will often lead you to stronger faith and stronger dependence on the Lord and stronger trust in the Lord. Verse 11 and 12, he says this, teach me your way, O Lord. What does that tell us? King David had a teachable spirit. A teachable spirit. You know, if you don't have a teachable spirit, you're not going to grow very much in the Lord. You're just not. That's just the way it goes. That's how David could write some of these things that he writes. I'm just like, Lord, where did you get this guy? Just incredible stuff that he writes because he was so teachable. Everything he went through in life was an opportunity to learn something about God. Teach me your way, O Lord, and lead me in a smooth path or a level path because of my enemies, his foes, his oppressors. Verse 12, do not deliver me to the will or the desire, some versions say, of my adversaries. What does he say? Give me victory over my enemies and against the people that are against your work, Father. Your work, Lord. And you know where? Sometimes those people were in the temple. And sometimes those people were in the churches. He says, give me, give me victory over them. For false witnesses have risen against me. Now, if you are a leader, <laughs> you know what that's like. And if you don't, you will. Okay, so let me give you some advice. If false witnesses have risen against you. He goes on and says, and such breathe out violence. Or a version, some versions say, spouting malicious accusations against me. So if you're a leader and people are saying false things about you, let me just give you a few bits of advice. Number one, get used to it. Get used to it. Number two, consider the source. Consider the source. Number three, eat the chicken and spit out the bones. Now, some of you go, what in the world does that mean? Well, go home and eat some chicken and don't spit out the bones, and it'll be very clear to you what I mean, (laughs) right? Take what they said that has some truth in it, 
deal with it, and the rest, discard it or save it for another day and maybe take a look at it another day. Now, what I notice here is something incredible about David, and I think it's very important. I think the order is important. He says to him, first, teach me your ways, and then he says, lead me in the smooth path. What does he say? First, teach me your ways, and then deliver me from my enemies. In other words, King David's desire is to first learn the ways of the Lord, and then to obey them, and that comes before God's intervention. Let's be honest. Is that the way you think? That is not the way most of us think. We are usually like, you know, God just fix the problem, and then we can both move on. <laughs> you and me, God, we can move on. Fix the problem, right? If you want to have a little after, me, after crisis meeting recap, I'll do that with you if that's what you want. But normally, we want God to remove the problem before anything else, and before we even have a chance to thank him, we're in another crisis, correct? So this is crisis, not just prevention. It's crisis, you know, how to deal with it. King David seems to realize that a crisis is often a valuable teaching moment for us as we learn the Lord's ways. Is that the way you look at crises? That God has something to teach you in the midst of this thing? Now, why would that be important? Why would it be important that we learn the Lord's ways first and then we learn something from the crisis? Well, I would just say this. Fear... Despair, discouragement, anxiety is very wearying, isn't it? It is extremely wearying. And when we get that way, we can become very sloppy with our lives, can't we? Very sloppy. We can become very sloppy with our faith. In such times, we need the guidance of the Lord. That's why he says, first, teach me your way, and then, Lord, lead me. Teach me, and then lead me. Not lead me, and I'll figure it out. Teach me, and then lead me, or guide me in this time of fear and anxiety. Now, there's a good chance this is a prayer for what we call God's providence, God ordering the events of David's life out of the crisis. But he wants to understand. He wants to be prepared for what's coming down the road. Now, King David ends this psalm with confidence and encouragement. He knows trouble is continuous. Have any of you ever noticed that? It just keeps coming and coming and coming. He says, verse 13 and 14, I would have lost heart unless I believed. And that's an important statement. I would have lost heart. Unless I believe, some versions said, unless I was confident or unless I was certain that I would see the goodness of the Lord in the land of the living. And that typically refers to this life. So he's believing he's going to see this be fixed, whatever it is in his life. Then he gives us all instructions, verse 14, wait on the Lord. How many of you can say the word wait that quick? Or is it wuh? Uh, wait. 
right? That's what it seems like to us, right? Seems like to us, you know, it's not wait on the Lord, it's wait on the Lord. (laughs) Wait on the Lord, be of good courage. What is he saying? Be strong in the Lord. Be strong in the Lord and he shall strengthen your heart. You know, this kind of wording was what they said in the Old Testament before they went into a battle when there was no chance they were going to win. No chance. They would rally the troops with cries like this. And then he says, wait, I say, on the Lord. Another version says, wait for the Lord. King David closes with what he has learned, that faith has kept him going. Faith that the Lord would change things. His circumstances, probably, but maybe so, more so, that we can experience, like David, the goodness of the Lord now. That you can experience the goodness of the Lord even in the midst of a tremendous crisis. How? Well, he told us in verse 13 and 14, believe, trust, and then wait. Now, here's the problem with that. Have any of you noticed that your timetable and God's tend to differ a little bit? You're like, okay, Lord, I'm totally with Pastor Jim on this one. Finally, I'm finally with Pastor Jim on this one. I'll be with you as long as you fix it by Route 80. (laughs) Some of you are like, I can't wait to Route 80. I'm taking 46 home. (laughs) Some of you are like, okay, I'll give you to Route 15. And if you're a guest here and you don't even know where you are, that's the end of the parking lot. (laughs) That's the way we think sometimes. But what David is telling us is that fear can decrease as we wait. We ever worried about something when it first hit you and you're just worried, 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 worried. And then like a month later, you're like, it's still there, but you're not near as worried as you were before. And he's saying, if you wait on the Lord... He will help decrease your fear and increase your confidence in him. Always remember, waiting time, waiting on the Lord, waiting time is not wasted time. It never is. And if you're patient, the Lord will make you stronger and stronger of heart and of soul. We began by telling you how Pam was in the dark and took off her sunglasses and all of a sudden there was light and the fear just subsided. It just subsided. How does that work for us with the Lord? In verse 4, David tells us you make a choice to dwell with the Lord, to meet with him, to speak with him, to listen to him through his word, And as the Spirit brings things to your mind and to pour out your heart to God, it's the thing, if you don't know how to pray, you have got to read the Psalms. They will teach you how to pour out your heart to God. You know, we think of of the Psalmists, and you got to read it with the emotion of the Psalms. They're not like, oh, dear God, where are you? They're like, where are you? Like they, feel, they get the feeling like they're, they're praying and they, they pray their prayers, they're sending them up to heaven and boom, they bounce off the ceiling and come back in their face. 
That's the feeling they get. The emotion in the Psalms is just so incredible. That's why we teach through them so often. We did when we were in the COVID thing, we just kept teaching through Psalm after Psalm after Psalm. And I kept getting emails from people. This is making me so much more confident. This is making me trust the Lord. This is easing my pain and my anxiety. This is such a wonderful thing. So make a choice to dwell with the Lord. Make a choice to to gaze at that which is the most beautiful thing you've ever seen, to desire the Lord and to seek and to know what he wants for you. David's great desire was to be in the Lord's presence, and that was also his biggest fear in life. He feared losing the presence of the Lord more than anything else, and what happened was that decreased all of his other fears. That was his only fear. How is that possible? Because that was the one thing that mattered most of all to King David. It doesn't mean all the other stuff didn't matter. He was a king. He had a lot to do. But that's what mattered the most, the presence of God in his life more than anything else. And did you know the same thing was true of Jesus? There's a lot of verses we could do, but this one, for whatever stood out to me, Mark 135 said this, Now in the morning, having risen a long while before daylight, so it's very early, it's still dark, he, Jesus, went out and departed to a solitary place, and there he prayed. What did he do? He was dwelling with his father. What was he doing? He was gazing upon his father that he loved. What was he doing? He was seeking God's will for how this whole life and cross and discipleship of the apostles, all, how all that was going to play out. And we have an advantage over King David. He lived a thousand years before Jesus. And David saw the holiness of God and the mercy of God when he was at the temple making sacrifices. The holiness of God, these animals needed to be killed for the sins of the people. And the people would put their hands on the animal. In effect, their sins would be transferred to the animal. And the animal would be killed because God is so holy. And yet at the same time, then there'd be an element of faith on their part. But at the same time, God would say, therefore, your sins are forgiven. That is the message of the cross. That God's sins were placed upon Jesus. And with that element of faith and trust in Jesus, your sins are are placed upon Jesus. And then, by the mercy of God, through the life, death, and resurrection of Jesus Christ, through the mercy of God, you are offered a full pardon. You are offered the forgiveness of sins. You are offered eternal life. We are not our own light and our own salvation, but Jesus Christ is the only way to come into the presence of God other than that, you have to pay for your sins yourself. Romans 8.32 says this, He who did not spare his own son, but delivered him up for us all, how shall he not with him also freely give us all things? That's an incredible statement. You, know, you think that God may be holding out on you, and, and God comes along and says, I gave you my son. I gave you my one thing. That was God the Father's one thing. I gave you my one thing. What makes you think I'm going to hold all the rest of this stuff back from you? Oh, you might not get it today. You might not get it tomorrow. You might not even get it on earth. But you're going to get it. It's going to come to you. And I realize there is much to be afraid of in this life. 
But David tells us that as we dwell with God, it will reduce our fear. As we seek God personally, it reduces our fear. But then perhaps the most beautiful thing of all, he tells us to gaze at the beauty of the Lord. You say, how do you do that? Just get a picture in your mind of Jesus Christ dying on the cross for your sins. That is not a man dying on a cross. That is the beauty of the Lord. That is the Lord doing something for you that you could never do for yourself. That is the Lion of Judah protecting you from death itself. And then we sing songs of joy, songs of praise, even in the midst of a life of fear, because we realize that holding on to Jesus can give you faith that kills fear. Fear killing faith, something we all need. Changed by Love with Pastor Jim Kevney of Calvary Chapel, Morris Hills in Morris County, New Jersey. Changed by Love brings you the great hope of the gospel to equip you to reach others with this transforming message. In a world filled with fear and mistrust, Pastor Jim provides the path to freedom in a clear and transparent style. Changed by Love needs your help to reach thousands, including your friends and neighbors. Find out the ways you can team financially with Changed by Love by visiting our website at changedbyloveradio.org or call 862-217-9686. Pastor Jim would love to hear your story and how Changed by Love has impacted your life or someone you know. Your encouragement goes a long way. Thank you for spending time with Pastor Jim Kevney and Changed by Love.